Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Kells River, alongside the chaplains of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. I am joined as always by the director of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. But before that, I want to make one request of you, please, dear listener. Um, if you are listening to this, you most likely also listening to you listen to streaming music, you have a streaming music account, possibly, even if it's a free Spotify one, um, it's fine. But please go and stream De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising, the album released on the 3rd of March for the first time to streaming audiences. Um, it is a cornerstone of culture. Every All the popular music that exists today kind of has a genesis within this, and it's been a gaping hole in the zeitgeist. It was the entry point for many people into um, the world of hip-hop uh, because it was so accessible, and yeah, it's, it's just a good time. And on that note, thank you very much uh, for, for indulging me, Father. Um, how are you doing today? With the grace of God, very, very well. Um, just been uh, pretty um, busy with things this week. Um, uh, besides the fact that we today going to be burying Mrs. Wendy Klopas, who was uh, tragically shot dead. Um, and uh, we also engaged uh, in a meeting with SAPS. The SAPS was asking the churches to be a partner with them as they deal with things like domestic violence, gender-based violence, and as they look for... Um, the skills of the church, the spaces of the church um, to assist with um, counseling. And um, and then I was also, as I said earlier to you, involved with um, engaging grade eights and grade nines in an assembly. Um, to try, I was asked to bring a motivational talk. Um, so that and of that, of course, and the um, the Lenten services that we are currently busy with, having five five services on Wednesday through Lent, mm-hmm. um, it's it's quite a tall order. I get yeah. to do yeah. at least three of them. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 been good, but it's been good though. You know, busy busyness is always a good thing. So mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, uh, we are fine, Lindsay, and I trust the same for you and yours. Um, outside of of the great <laughs> De La Soul record that launched um, on the third of March, it was also um, the uh, anniversary. I don't know if you call if it's a, if it's a deceased person, do you still call it a birthday, or is it like an anniversary of a birthday? I think it would be the anniversary of the birthday. Yes, um, so the anniversary of my mother's birthday. Um, I I actually have no idea how old she would have been. <laughs> I, I I think it's like 70, 73. Yes, yes, she was born in 1950, so it was 73, I believe, um, on, on a Women's Day. And obviously, the March 3rd was International Women's Day. Um, so she passed away on South African Women's Day um, in August. Uh, so, yeah, it was quite an emotional day. Um, once I kind of sat down and like actually thought about it once I was once my mind was less busy with like work stuff. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was quite special. And then obviously, as as you've heard my little monologue intro to this, I'm quite excited about about being able to introduce um, my children and like younger audiences to a piece of art that was so influential on like my own personal identity um yeah because like if there was no three feet high and rising um there would be no uh tribe called quest for instance um there would be no beastie boys as you know them today uh because they kind of changed up the entire first record after hearing um, the sound that that De La Soul had pioneered, and there would be no Kanye West, there would be no modern pop music, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. it, it's 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 that one key piece of the puzzle. 
that if you take it out, there's no yeah. puzzle, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I was just kind of mm. reflecting on that last night as well. Obviously, we're recording this on, on, on Saturday morning on the 4th of March. Um, and because my wife refused to play it uh, when we were driving home from my sister's place. Um, and I was like, I was really upset because, yeah, personally, it, it, it speaks to so much that made me. Uh, that that influenced the way I think um, the my interest in media um, stems from like my interest in in hip hop. So yeah, there is that. But I am well. <laughs> yeah. Can can I engage you on that? Because yes. I think the um, you know you know when you speak of scripture, you also speak about culture and yeah. art and 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 um, you know Hebrew poetry and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And as you talking as a man 20 odd years younger than I am, mm. um, of, of how that sort of culture influenced your, not influenced, but challenged you in your thinking, because mm. of the ideas that it brought, to, brings to the table. And it is for current younger generations now, not that the oldies cannot listen to it and appreciate it as well. But then I think, you know, of how when it was my growing up years, my teen years and 20s, what was the cultural influences that I could appreciate that I could bring along? And, you know, it's, it's a troubling, actually. It's troubling because it was, there was hardly contextual stuff, mm. something from our own um from the from the soil that we we are part of the soil that we are on, oh, yes. because because it was stifled. We we couldn't produce things. We weren't allowed. Things were illegal. Mm -hmm. So what what happened was, um, Jim Reeves was our backup. You know, pe people. I mean, it was music really 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 related to because it yeah. was passive. <laughs> It soothed the soul. Mm. It it may may just have brought a little bit of um, pie in the sky stuff because it meant meant you don't have to look at this um, the tragedy of our of our nation at the time. Mm. Um, and I mean, I still remember very clearly how Alan Busser, Doctor Alan Busser, would would had said these words. He says, "The laws of the state are such a nature." that if you sat around your kitchen table or dining room table to have a meal with your family, according to the law, you were not allowed to speak of what was going on because mm -hmm. that would have contravened the law. And um, you could get a family member who could squeal on you because mm -hmm. that was the culture driven of the time. So when I listened to you, I listened to you with um, a kind of a jealousy because what shaped my life? I'm not regretting it. I just said yeah. what shaped my life in many ways was not contextual stuff. Mm. Um, we had to wait till 1994 before we could, you know, capture. So, but then there were those who were bold enough to write things during that time, like a Steve Biko, mm. um, you know, and, and Albert Lutuli. Uh, let my people go. There was his reflection. Um, they were the prophets that were around that we could could watch them in. But it's amazing how a, a, a determined culture full of fear could suppress the culture of the time. Mm -hmm. How much more wealthier would we have been morally and culturally if it were not for the suppression that we had experienced? So the voice of poets, the voice of prophets, the voice of other, the, the brushstrokes of artists, these are, 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 are elements that are crucially important for the shaping of our, of our nation. Even if you did not agree with what people were saying and you listened, you may learn. Yeah. 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 That's actually what I said. But didn't you grow up like in proximity to, to District 6? I... In in a way, in my formative years, yes, yes. Um, my memories are around Zonnebloom, where I mm. where I schooled. My memories are around St Mark's, yeah. which which stood out as and still stands out today as a beacon of of um, comfort because 
that's where my grandparents from my mother's side uh, was, was involved. That's where we gathered as families. I still remember I was part of my grandparents' 55th wedding anniversary service at the church and at the school, the celebration. Um, you know, there, there was an attachment to Clifton Street and Constitution yeah. Street because that's where families lived. And you, how, how old were you um, uh, when when District 6 fell, uh, was, was destroyed? 1996, we were moved out of the um, area. Uh, the moving started, so I still went to school, even though my experience has been in, at Zonoblum, even from stand, from uh, sub-A's, yeah. I, I went to school from Claremont. I came in. My grandfather lived with us in Claremont, would take me to school in the morning. And when he passed, um, I was, what, nine years later he passed. I was mm -hmm. in high school already by then. Okay. But yes, uh, standard uh, sub A, standard six. But my, my connection with, with Soul Street and um, Bloom went on until I finished uh, standard seven. Yeah, but, but, but the, the, the point is, like, you, you probably then would have been connected to, like, the, the more musical, like, poetic kind of culture within the, the, the District 6, because, I mean, the nightclubs, as violent as they may have been, um, because of the gang activity, um, there was a lot that was going on there in terms of like, yeah. local artists yeah. and those. Yeah. And that's really sad, because the colored people are a people in diaspora. Mm. Um, and... Maybe. To to have a a the cultural center destroyed and then just have like like these 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 generations of just disconnectedness where you don't have I, I mean there's, there's the Jonathan Butlers and those kind of thing that that arose like in your time mm. uh, but but that was kind of melancholic it was it was yeah. looking back it was harking back to the the greatness of of district six and of that culture and and for it it it, it then makes perfect sense it's actually does it just crystallize in my mind why there's so much conflict around colored culture because the the cultural center was effectively erased from the map yeah you know? and it's, yeah. A, it's a similar thing with with um Jerusalem and like the Bible. I was having a, a discussion on last week Sunday uh, with someone who was talking about the historicity of the Bible. Um, he's obviously a big believer. Um, he's a listener as well. I convert him. <laughs> um, but but there's there's that that kind of confirmation bias that exists um, in research um, around the Bible, where like how does how did Christianity and Islam become the two dominant religious religions in in the world, like outside of obviously India, because they didn't have any cultural <laughs> destructions. <laughs> the the country kind of exists in some form that that preserves its past. Um, so you have the massive empire. So you have Rome, um, and Rome obviously took over the Judea region. And then used a lot of, because obviously in Judea, uh, Galilee specifically, um, there was a lot of agricultural knowledge. Um, it was the, the breadbasket for the empire a lot. Um, so that would be exported to other parts in the empire. So they'll take like Jews or, or Hebrews, um, Judeans, <laughs> um, and export them to back to Rome back to Italy um, to assist uh, with the other pockets of the empire to, to grow the agriculture. And obviously there were fishermen as well. So the fishermen will be moved down to the, the coastal regions um, to assist there. And then they take their culture with them. Mm. Yeah. The same with, with Islam um, in the, in the Mongol empire, um, Genghis Khan was big on also exporting skills all around the empire so that, you know, all boats can rise. And at the time, Islam was leading in science, maths, engineering. 
Um, so it just made natural sense to like take those engineers. So when you have really skilled artisans in that time, uh, they build a cult following around them because they are the rock stars. Um, <laughs> it's like this dude built this thing or like this dude makes the best wine. Um, and you get like a discipleship around you and you, you, your job is to train the inhabitants of whatever place that you've been taken to. Um, and you impart through your training, through your teaching. Um, we are human, so we, we blend our culture, our identity into what we make and how we communicate our ideas. And then within that cult following that you built up around you, people start worshipping the same way that you do because they want to be like you or they want to be better than you maybe you've maybe you draw a lot of your inspiration from your faith for instance so like that's how these two two cultures have spread and and like the the inverse is also true where you have the bible for instance where it's like the the, the genesis passage the ex, exodus the whole story of exodus was recorded maybe 25, minimum 25 years after the fact. So like no one was writing it down <laughs> while they were missioning out of Egypt. So like yeah. these, these authors also wrote in the genre of their time. Um, yeah. So it was a mix of, of like history. History is a, the, the study of history is a very modern concept like maybe 150 years old, where we now try and develop encyclopedic knowledge that is divorced from fiction. Whereas in that time, like I was writing fantastical stories, like myths and legends and all this stuff, and then it just intermingled with, with, with fact. So any fact-finding mission to prove the historicity of a text like the Bible that comes from so many sources, so many different genres over such a long period of time is folly because you, you're not respecting the, the genre that the author was writing into. Um, yeah, so that's just a whole long-winded explanation of, of like how, how cultures form and how it spreads uh, around the world. And then, of course, and then, of course, I think when you get books designated or dedicated as um, as 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 a spiritual document that could help grow you and grow your faith and help you with your responses mm. in in your faith response through worship and such. Um, you doing it in your historical context now with a different shape of the language that you think in and speak in and uh, the genre of the bible the genres of the bible um comes in a different context with a different um language um so then the question is, so what is there for the meaning of the Bible? Now, I do know that the, the when quoting from the Quran, for example, there would be the sense that what is written there truly comes from Muhammad, yeah. who heard it from God. <laughs> There's a literal approach to uh, the text and and i'm not sure how it always in what what's the essence of literal inter a literal um reference to it um you know and 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 we do that with with the bible too we as i think i made this point the other day we often read scriptures if it fell out of heaven and now applied to earth but we forget that god allowed human beings to be part of the process of producing such a, a book in terms of our understanding inspir with inspiration with um, the guidance of God's spirit yeah. therefore it was it was 
it was recorded in history. It was, it was, it is an historical book came down to us so many years ago. So there's history, <clears> the <throat> journey of history of how the text was used. I mean, you, I, I can go onto a website now and then it will tell me what the church mothers and fathers had said about this text, how they'd yeah. utilized yeah. its meaning. So, um, we, uh, and of course, I mean, we must never forget that there's an oral tradition. There's always an oral tradition to something that is written down. Mm. You and I can be talking like this now, captured in written form, uh, would be, you know, some of the things we would have missed out because um, oral tradition, we don't capture word for word. We don't, yeah. you know, we just yeah. to capture the essence of the conversation. So, so as I kept saying, and I, my learning is that history is, uh, is, 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 is used as a tool to convey the story. It is not the ultimate purpose. But then when human beings write anything down, there is history attached to it. In that moment of inspiration, in the context, in the environment that words were written, composed, history is attached to it because that's an Easter, that's a human event that is happening there. Whether it's a figment of your imagination, like in this on the on the on the fourth of March, two thousand and twenty-three, at twenty past seven, I composed this. Um, poem on the of, of the mountain now if i don't date it yeah if the date is and the yeah. name is not attached to it there will be questions in the future mm. who wrote this why was it written when was mm -hmm. it written and for what purpose was it written? But those are the kind of things we do ask of the scripture we do ask the what what why where how and all of that when we read the text as well yeah um i mean you were talking yeah. about um the, the you were talking about the colored culture, culture, colored folk. Um, in, is is still in terms of the mindset in a diaspora, mm. uh, generations mm. that were put out of their country, and I deliberately use the word country to touch base with the Genesis story. Yeah, um, and moved to a different what's his name. Generations grew up after that, having no sense of that history. Mm. No sense me. You asked mm -hmm. me about you know all the things that may have influenced me. Then I, I think we were protected from many of them. Uh, much of much of what was going on was not really shared with us. That's why I value Richard Reeves' book, uh, Buckingham Palace, because it made me touch base with mm. the District Six that I grew up in. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. So so in a way, what 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 Richard's text does. It makes me journey backwards so that I'm now in appreciation of things I missed, things I never knew, then takes me forward. Now, when I look at a, 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 he's asked of the Lord to leave his country. Now, I just hope the National Party didn't use this text to, to justify migration from the places they wanted and pushed us to the peripheral of, of our of our of where we started. Oh. Um, yeah, because I mean this story says that the idea is we have to be a blessing to each other. Mm. We have to help each other find happiness. We we are meant to um, be inspiration of hope to each other. Yeah. Um, it also gives us a sense of connectivity. Um, the argument in the is that they are in Jerusalem, particularly there's three religions all bound by Abraham as the father. Mm. So is it real that when we have left our country? in the way that we did, pushed out because of legislation, we are so angry, so bitter, so resentful towards these things that we didn't really find ourselves in the new place where we could be a blessing because all of this, the, the way we journeyed was not a journey of faith, if I can put it like that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it was a journey of oppression. So that is my story 
of being six years old, having to leave District 6 for, uh, at that stage, I had no understanding of why. Yeah. Um, I, remembered, I remember traveling on the bus with my dad in the main road, the double decker, and I loved sitting at the bottom near the door because that's where the action was. Now I'm walking up the stairs with my dad. I'm probably seven years old, and I asked the question as we're walking up, Dad, why do we have to sit upstairs? Yeah. And my dad's words to me was, don't talk so loud. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's crazy about that, though? Um, When we used to go on school excursions, um, we we used to get the double-decker bus. And we would all be running to sit upstairs. Um, And now you retell the story and it's like, you were made to sit upstairs. Where, like, my generation, it was like a fun thing, <laughs> like post 94. Yes, absolutely. Or at least that was I, still like in, in the transition period. So it was like in the ni- early 90s. Um, um, and, and we would like run to sit upstairs. Where, wow, that, that is crazy. That, that, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then I couldn't, I couldn't even ask the question because my dad knew that if this was out there, who he knew the environment, people were listening, people yeah. with cruel ideas. Mm-hmm. So, so, so if I look at this story and, uh, and I say, okay, the kind of way Abram left, but based on his faith and obedience to God, was meant to be a, a blessing and enrichment to mm-hmm. other people. That's the idea mm-hmm. I get, that's the understanding I get. Now, can I? A man whose whose history was being uprooted. I found peace where I am now and look back, or rather in the context now, become a blessing to others. Mm. Be able to uh, be part of enriching my fellow human beings' life here. Or will the will the bitterness still ooze out? Um, would we have to be as clandestine as Nicodemus mm. when realizing Jesus that he was curious, mm-hmm. but he could not expose the, his curiosity to those close to him because of their intentions, the hostility that they had. Uh, already the, the you know um, found, and yet deep down in his heart, he was curious as to this this person and to the message that he was advocating. I mean, if it wasn't for Nicodemus, would we have had John three sixteen, if I could put it like that? But for yeah. me, John three sixteen and seventeen are crucial <clears throat> to the message. We often just quote John three sixteen, but we need to read it with. Um, Verse 17, and you know, it took a priest who, who is from, was from India, whom I had, had, had uh, to, to um, escort around uh, Cape Town in his tour. He, he was came to visit Cape Town, who made me realize you can't read one text without the other. Yeah. Uh, because we raised this, this, this <clears throat> up in the conversation. So in his in his nightly curiosity to try and find meaning uh, because he was he was he really needed to to have his curiosity met um, this message came out from that personal encounter Nicodemus had so so for many of us therefore in order to find out our history before 94 our curiosity was stifled mm. Um, and so when we came in Nicodemus, you know, we had to whisper uh, our questions. Classrooms were not meant for uh, curiosity. They were meant for propagation. Um, and and, um, and so our curio- the inner, deeper curiosity, um, you know, I... Uh, I, 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 
my sense of justice, thank God, was not stifled um, when I did engage the context, when I did ask serious questions about how people could be doing this to other people and then still claim that it's based on a religious faith. Yeah. The same Bible I was using. So here again, I ask myself to, in a way, migrate from that. But yeah. I need to migrate uh, more deeply. Um, because I realized now when I listen to politicians, people speak from a point of anger, often conjure up lies. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want to live the lie. So when I look at the message of scripture, you know, I'm trying to find what meaning in all of this. How, as I said to people on Wednesday, there's a, there's a hymn that I love um, very much. Break thou the bread of life, dear Lord, to me, mm. as you did once on the Sea of Galilee, um, at the Sea of Galilee. And, and this guy is talking about scripture in such a way that he's trying to say, you know, scripture is important. There's lots of it in that revealed book. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, what he experienced, and this is what I think is my experience, is um, that I would see God in the written word. Um, my, my spirit longs for the, said the author of the hymn, O Lamb of Calvary, the translation that Psalm, the psalmist says in Psalm 21, I look to the hills yeah. where it does my help indeed. But it's interesting. Um, so even you, you gave a lovely simplistic, uh, so not simplistic, like innocent um, view of, of this Genesis passage, which is chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Um, it's been reduced for the the 950 service, the, the, or at least the, the, there is a longer text um, where it refers to Lot to, who went with Abraham. But then the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land. I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will and I will bless you. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will place a curse on those who harm you and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So now you, you, I, I think you can already infer what I'm going to say. Um, if, if you look at the context of, of this kind of writing, so it's, it's, a, it's a legend story um, that is, is meant to justify um, the existence of a culture. It's meant to glorify, it's meant to create an, an otherness. Um, so it's a us and them kind of situation. So like we are descendant of Abraham, um, who was told by God to leave his country. And it, it just just justifies like all of the stuff. Because uh, obviously when you're like going to roll up into a place that is not where you were from, <laughs> you're going to come up against some kind of obstacle. Either you don't know the landscape, so you're going to have to tame the landscape um, um, to your abilities, or you are going to have to tame the locals um, to make sure that they, they live with you. And then that in that one line, I will place a curse on those who harm you is within that lies the propaganda statement where it's like now you're creating a, a dichotomy, you know, you're creating an enemy where before there was not one. So you're like, be a blessing to others. But, you know, those guys who oppose you, I'm going to curse them. Very interesting. Um, uh, 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 what's name? I do appreciate you raising that. Um, it's interesting that Genesis chapter 12 is understood to actually be a little bit more. And some, some scholars reading this text and studying it, uh, it's like a new beginning for, for the nation, for the people. Um, remember, they were, they, this, this, all of this was written from the liberation experience of Exodus. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, when you and I were raised, we, we, we you know, um, 
the understanding of us needing praise for protection when we go out, praise for why why was this necessary? You know, I grew up partly in a context um, with with pe people from the Baptist church, and I heard a lot of of them. We we plead the blood over you, you know, relating to the Exodus narrative of what um, you know when when there was blood on the when there would be protection granted. And so there's, you know, the pleading of the blood. What's that? Do we therefore live in a world that where there are those who are so hostile that they would harm you? I mean, um, growing up where I grew up, um, thankfully, I, I didn't have to, I was never accosted or, or to join any gangs and stuff like that. Um, I was alone. I was a loner, but my but my brother got into trouble like that in in some cases. Thankfully, he didn't venture into that. But but the context of the culture was beginning to develop in the Mitchell Mitchell's Plain area with the schools and all of that. I never went to mm. those schools. But are, are we living in a world where there are those whose intention is to hurt and to harm? How are we meant to then, you know, live alongside that? Yeah. And what is God saying here? That God does not really appreciate the fact that there are people whose intentions are always to hurt and to harm. Well, what will happen to them? What they are doing is evidently not a blessing. Hmm. So does, and of course, you're reading an English word into a Hebrew narrative, the word curse. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you and I hear uh, <laughs> those words, we think the worst of the worst will happen to the person that is cursed as too strong a translation in, into English. It's the only one word that could 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 ident be identified as what action will God take to protect um, a person that was meant to be doing good in the world. Yeah. Um, we're living in a hostile world. What happens to them? How is how is hostility addressed? I'm going to go into a service not long from now, where a woman was killed, a life snuffed out. The morning she left to work, her children at school, 17 and 10. How are they having to deal with the fact that somebody harmed their parents? Mm. Um, <clears throat> So, so you know, um, so I'm looking at that. We're living in the world. So, is God saying that God will fight for us, will keep us from harm uh, by bringing down the person who perpetrates harm in in some cruel fashion? Uh, it, it would definitely say for me that whether we like it or not, we are living in a world where people, for whatever reasons, I mean, the, what, what, what for some people may look as being um, innocent from, an, from a violent point of view, bullying is one of the most violent things that happens at schools. Mm. Um, a bully may not necessarily put his hands on you, but verbally frighten you if you are an easy target in mm. that person's mind. Mm. Now, as I said, um, I, and I probably need to go and look at the word curse in the in that la in the in the Hebrew uh, language. What does curse mean? Does it condemn the person to hell? Does it strike the person down? Um, but we're living in a world where there is hostility and when we go out I do that all the time praying for my daughters when they have to drive out in the morning um, we, we know that there are dangerous places to drive through the R300 is not whilst it's one of the nicest roads to drive on it has warnings along the way we try to be people of goodwill there are people out there whose intentions may be different. So what do we say to God? 
Um, and again, here I, I'm, I'm not so sure what, what, why the word curse, because when we talk the word mm. curse, we often are struck by, oh, that's horrible. And even the word hatred, you know, it's, it's, it's words that almost have come with a, with a sharp edge to, yeah. to strike down somebody. It's that idea of the big, powerful savior God, you know, where it's like, dude, there's no power in the sky that is looking over your life. Like you are living just like everybody else. The quicker you realize that, the better. Like there's no one looking out for you um, outside of like your family, people who actually care for you, actual physical human beings um, on this planet. Um, and And I think that's that's where where a lot of the conflict comes from the interpersonal conflict is that there's there's this fixation on on this this higher power that is actually in control um and then you 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 make things out to be like 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 this this whole story of like god told abraham to leave it's like no <laughs> if you actually asked abraham <laughs> <laughs> there were most likely a whole other set of circumstances that compelled him to leave and to go seek out something else. Like if you really had to interrogate that sort of situation, like if you could have, you could sit opposite Abraham and interview him, he'd be like, yeah, the crops weren't doing so well. Or like I was owing money to like these people or, you know, like something happened and I had to leave. But then it gets like said as like God compelled him to do this. And it's 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 in that way we forget that other people exist, you know, that other people must also be respected. Um, that land that he is going to is not promised to him. He's going to take can I, it. Yeah, can I just can I just say that um, whilst I hear what you are saying, um, you said early on a very interesting thing. When we spoke about you would liking the, the podcast to be broadened uh, to um, maybe could invite on an occasion the confirmants, you said I meditated on this thought. So I just wondered, you know, having said what you said about Abram, when we look at the story, is there not a sense in my own life when I don't have a sense of inspiration? to do something that did not exist with me. When I felt it, where there was nothing in current environment that would have said this to me, um, or it, there, was, there was just a sense of inspiration, um, a sense in which I moved in my heart to take a faith risk as Abram did. Um, and understand that the, my creator plays a role and therefore in my daily life, and therefore in my choices and decisions, um, that, that the story does not reveal to us that Abram had any other desire to move from his homeland, hmm. from the comfort zone that he was living in. A new movement started through Abram as we read the story. Um, but is there not a sense, you know, uh, like like the, the, the prophet, and the, the psalmist says, I look to the hills, but where does my help come from? So how does the hills help him to move to the next part? My help comes from the Lord who made Abram and So how does, does, the, does our creator not play a role? In our lives, and are we listening and tuned to our Creator um, to inspire us with what we do with our lives? I mean, I remembered, for example, um, when I <laughs> when I was asked by the bishop to go and work in the Mac. When I wasn't asked, I was sent. Yeah. Bishops decided with Chapter yeah. that I will move to the Mac. And I was just married for about four months or so. Now, I still say to the bishop at one stage during the journey, uh, Father, can I pray about what you what you guys have decided? <laughs> and he said, what you want to pray about, we've already prayed. <laughs> now, what did I have to learn through that? I, I, I knew in a Macquillan advice, I had no clue what I was going to 
how, how things were going to pan out there. But it was a very important part of my journey to go. I wasn't inspired to go and work there. It came from somewhere else. But when I said, I'm looking for inspiration to say yes to you through prayer. Yeah. Uh, take the idea that you guys had fostered and now foisting on me because I'm going to have to move from this comfort zone. There were other things going on. My wife was a teacher full time at school. What yeah. happens to her job? All of those had to be accounted for. So, so. I'm, I'm, I was saying, and I'm still saying, that part of my journey would be, you know, Creator God, is this, is this something I can, yeah, is it coming from you, is it not coming from you, so where does my help come from, where does it come from, and this guy says, I look to the hills, I look to the hills, the, 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 the hills that stand there, unmoved, sometimes in glorious array to beautify yeah. the earth. Yeah. The one who made it. So my creator God. So is there no sense in which that is real for many of us? Unfortunately, as you have wonderfully said that, the the when you say that, when you when you when you have that kind of faith, then the bad things are also justified. So like slavery was abolished in the British Empire. The British Empire, which was in control of the Cape Colony, enforced that within the Cape Colony. The Afrikaners, or at least we won't call them Afrikaners, the 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 <laughs> the Dutch um, in the Cape Colony were like Yo, but we need slaves. And then they took a little meander up the country and established other centers um, up north. You know, then there was conflict. Then mm. the British felt bad for like creating concentration camps and was like, cool, you guys can get the country now. Um, we feel really bad for what we did to you during the wars. Um, you have the country, but give us the diamonds and all of the, the resources. And then you have this class that now believes that they were spirit-led in, in everything that they did and now turn around and persecute the indigenous people. And that leads to apartheid and it leads to the destruction of District 6 and all of that. Yeah. So then all of that is also from the Creator God. Yeah, yeah that's where my, my, my um, grappling comes with. The whole question of of faith and fear. Um, if if I believe in such a way that I must put you in the category of unbeliever, mm. I must classify mm. you as a threat to me. Um, whereas, and in, in is that the true tenet of my faith? Uh, when I go back to to the Genesis passage, and when I go forward to the to the um, gospel passage, where the God who loves the world so much hmm. does not send His Son judgment, hmm. um, then if fear has entered into my faith my actions will be um, one that seeks to destroy those who are against me. Mm. But if my faith is truly governed by love, then my senses would not be to destroy people. So people do some things to me. Do I want to take revenge? Do I want to not? Now I've spoken to people, and people would say, "Yes, you must, you must, you must blurt them out," and so on. I'm okay. Then what's the benefit of that for any of us? I'm looking for the common good. Yeah. And my, the common good would be for me to say, "I'm going to try to understand where they're coming from. 
and I'm also going to be prepared to forgive them when they listen. But any form of, of retaliation, of revenge, doesn't help the situation. So I would like my faith in the living God, in the creator God, to be one governed by love rather than fear. And unfortunately, even in religious circles, you know, I, I was in a conversation with somebody the other day, and the person said to me, well, you know, COVID is of the devil. Now, I'm trying to understand how the devil manipulated whatever it was hmm. that turned out to be COVID for us. You've been spending too much well, time with me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Because, I mean, I, I know there are Christians who are looking behind every bushel for a devil. Yeah. I come from the perspective of, you know, the work accomplished of Jesus on the cross. You know, it's put, in, it's put a, 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 more than a muscle, it's silenced um, the devil and stripped him of his power. Why do I keep needing to fight against the devil as if it's my battle? Hmm. Um, I must resist the devil as far as I know. I know that there are temptations that are before me that I need to really think about, but generally say no to it because if it's going to lead down a wrong path, I have to say no to it. So I need wisdom. But there's people who want to fight everything that that, that happens is, you know, devil. And they sometimes look at, at each other as devils. So if you're not part of this denomination, then you must all be devils going to hell. Yeah. And there's a sad look on, you know, a lot of, I, I remember when Richard Dawson wrote his book, The Illusion of God. Um, priest who is now in his, in, in his 100th year, going, going to its 101st year in April month. Uh, you know, he, he, he said there's a lot of things I agree with in the way that Richard says these things because of, you know, when you when you when you think of religious fanaticism, when I mean I'm listening to to the rhetoric in America right now, and I can't identify with how they portray Christianity as. Yeah. You know, I. I was saying on Sunday that we just dealt with, based on First Peter, into um, into hope and holiness within Christ, and the word in Christ in Christus is what defines us as Christians, not the denomination we belong to. It's being in Christ, and sadly, we say we are Christians, we don't understand that it is to be in Christ, because now we fight with other Christians. Mm. Uh, your doctrine is wrong, your interpretation is wrong, and so on. And so what happens is that we, we can't, we, 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 we in Christ, but we're trying to get each other out of Christ. Yeah. I, I don't understand that mentality. Yeah. You know, that hostility, where does it come from? And I think because there's fear in, in faith. So we're obsessed. And, and yet, you know, we have to be Resting in the hope that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ, uh, in the love he had. But we're living in a world where there are real hostilities. That world we meet not with judgment, but with love. For the good of all, because even the person, we don't know why a person has chosen the wrong tack, why the person is angry, why the person is hostile. We've got to get close enough to hear those stories to meet that story in a way of understanding rather than of, you know, throwing our guns and shooting one another all the time. Abram, in the one, one line in the Abram story, one line talks about curse and harm, but every other line speaks of blessing. Isn't that where our focus should be? Ah, that <laughs> unfortunately, the mechanics of, of propaganda <laughs> is that we, we glorify <laughs> and then we, we, <laughs> we undercut. Uh, but but uh, like my, po my point was, um, and, and I'm sorry, I distorted it with actual historic fact uh, that wasn't taught like in schools and stuff. Like if you listen to, to, to the Afrikaner doctrine, you know, the doctrine of the folk, um, those 
four trekkers were were led by God. You know, this Abraham passage could be attributed to them. And it's like when you divorce it from history, when you when you are the victor and you get to write the story, when you get to put the story together, you don't need to tell the audience of all of the other nasty things. You don't need to tell that that slavery was abolished about the same time that the, the Great Trek started and that the persecution was maybe not racism um, was like British versus Dutch sort of things, Dutch settlers. But it was because these homies really, really wanted to hang on to their slaves. Um, and it, it wasn't cool to do that in the Cape Colony anymore. It's like when you when you omit things like that, then that for me, that's 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 the toxicity that exists with this this spirit led idea, this this divine inspiration, you know, mm. where it's like there, there's so much destruction and evilness that is justified through that. Yeah. Uh, when I when I said that. You know, one line talks of curse and harm, and the rest talks about blessing. Yeah. I I look and I, and if you if you followed my argument, you would have seen that because I believe love informs my faith. Mm. That when a person is hostile to me, I would then try to find out what hostility is all about, rather than meet hostility with hostility. So in other words. I'm not writing out of the script the fact that there is a reality that people misuse their faith. They mm. created a world of true injustice. I'm drawing from this text um, a sense of, 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 of faith and hope that can help me deal with the injustices, can seek to break down the things that destroy us. And bring about without violence, but through negotiation, consultation, listening, values that will help our society to grow. Um, as I said to you, I'm really truly led by this understanding yeah. that when God sent Jesus yeah. into the world, He did not come to destroy it. He seek, He didn't come to seek to judge it. He came to redeem it. How can I be part of the redemption? The work of redemption. And that's when I say uh, the word blessing there moves me to be able to deal with 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 harm, hostility, um, and all of that that does exist in the world. And and yes, to also accept that we Christians have added to it. We have we have we've used, we've misused our religious texts to justify stuff that would never, should never have been justified. But yes, because we had the power on our side, manipulation could happen. Yeah. So I'm propagating, if I can use that word, how do we meet the hostilities? Now does the text help us to do so without um, eliminating those who may be hostile towards us, but at the same time to redress with with uh, acknowledging Christians in particular misused the text mm. for their own purposes and destroyed destroyed cultures destroyed languages destroyed nations, but that doesn't mean for, for me the text still has a message that would help us and the word comes to me regularly to to build the world for the common good. No, that is an important thing, but then also remember we did have the debate last year <laughs> about the, the the context into which John three John three sixteen was I'm putting in air quotes spoken. Um, it was Jesus trying to sway a very powerful ally um, to to kind of cement that relationship to to galvanize his his belief and and conversion because Nicodemus was was on the he was part of the Sanhedrin he was like a really really powerful powerful person and for 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 that line to be attributed within that one 
also a little bit problematic, but it's not something we will dwell on. Um, I will link to that episode in the podcast description. Um, I think it, it, it's it's a great way to end. What 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 was actually a, a, a conversation about about cultural proliferation um, and all the challenges that exist within that. And 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 I think as as a coloured person um, in South Africa. I think this conversation was maybe a little bit more illuminating to to me and my own kind of idea of of how important it is to to preserve culture um, through the works of art, through understanding the, the the products of the culture, and to to really come to grips with the fact that we are still a people in in diaspora and i thank you very much for going on that journey with me <laughs> well as always uh, the choice verses are in the podcast description along with the collect and yeah we'll talk to you next week thanks thanks lindsay thanks everybody for listening in and um I, we stopped just as load shading is dawning on the section of the <laughs> of the grid <laughs> 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 <laughs>